Hey, David. Yep. Do you ever want to watch a TV show and you get excited for it's like next episode and then people tell you, whoa, 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 don't watch this if you haven't watched this because you might not get this. Uh, Yeah, because it's kind of defeats the purpose of enjoying a TV show. Yeah, I'm like stuck. Do I watch the Bad Batch episode two or do I finish episode, I guess, two and or season two and three of the Clone Wars? So I'm like caught up and I understand kind of what's going on. It's but very confusing. Is it really going to be a significant amount of information in like one episode of another show just to understand something that happens in a new show? To be honest, probably not. I found the Bad Batch interesting because the characters look cool. And then I watched the first episode and really enjoyed it. So, you know what I'm going to tell you? What? Just watch episode two of the Bad Batch. Because unlike some things, you uh, you don't need to actually watch all of Clone Wars, you know, to understand what goes on. And you know what else you don't need to <laughs> really know the backstory of to understand? What's that? The Scene on Screen Podcast. Hey, whether it's your favorite tabletop adventure, movie, or video game, we've got you covered. Welcome to the Scene on Screen Podcast with your hosts, Sean and David. Welcome, welcome to the Scene on Screen podcast, where our stories and our everyday life doesn't matter, but the news in the video game and movie worlds do. What's up, David? How well, are our you? lives matter. Yeah, but our stories are like footnotes. Yeah, it's like children squabbling over who ate the last cookie. Yeah. Oh, speaking of cookies, <laughs> we got our hands on some Easter cookies that were still at the 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 Walmart down the down the way. Mm-hmm. They're Chips Ahoy with mini eggs in them. Game changer. I'm Chips intrigued. A- Chips Ahoy in itself is like a harder chocolate chip cookie. It's like, it's Except not like the decadent, what? you know? I, I feel like Chips Ahoy needs to um, change their name because I do not feel any more like a pirate after eating a, a box of those cookies than I did before. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I thought the whole thing was like, oh, Chips Ahoy. Like, the, yeah. you're just excited. I thought it was more like, ahoy there, me chips <laughs> of chocolate. Now, what happens if you're doing chunks ahoy? It's like, ahoy there, me chunks. No, after you eat a case of a box of chips ahoy, you're at chunks ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me tell you about the Bad Batch uh, a little bit to crush your... No, wait, to... Not crush, to crush my spirits? Not spoil to crush the show? Spirits. Not to spoil the show, but uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's been so long since I've seen like the first like two seasons of um, Clone Wars, and I'm going to be honest. I I did recognize some of the characters that were kind of brought up in uh, episode two of the Bad Batch, but it was not detrimental to me understanding and enjoying the show because so far, as they did in the first episode, the second episode they they give a decent enough kind of quick backstory or understanding or a small explanation of who the characters that they are interacting with are. Mm -hmm. 
and it's not um it's not super important to the overall story you know what they went through beforehand because all that matters is what's going on in the current episode so don't listen to your friends other than me and just watch it and enjoy it i think it's you know I don't know. Any show is is kind of like that, though, right? Where if you aren't paying attention to an episode or some shows will bring back characters, you know, in season three or four that were there in season one. And you don't necessarily remember who they were, or what they did or anything like that. It's just one of those. Oh, my God. Like that guy's back. Yeah, I get thing. that. And that's really I think all this is. It's not. Um, a huge, huge plot point in the sense where you need to know this character from before yeah, to understand the character. It's definitely now. not like if you're watching a, a series and there's crossover event and you're like, mm-hmm. you need to watch episode one to understand episode two. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Can I, we- I honestly think that this episode is uh, like the, some of the characters and stuff like that we might not see them again anyways was it better or worse than episode one um i wouldn't necessarily say it was better or worse uh i think they are taking it's just a continuation of episode one so i think if you really enjoyed episode one you would enjoy episode two um some of the action and the humor and stuff like that that they are doing in 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 episode two was really well done um i was would say i was very engaged the entire time well, that's good. I like. I really, really enjoyed the first episode, so I was really excited to see the second episode. And then a few people kind of derailed me a little bit, and it, yeah. w- it was just kind of it was a bummer because it was more than one person. Yeah, so don't like, listen yeah. to the haters. The haters gonna hate. Yeah, and the baiters gonna bait. Can, can and we today? Talk? We are going to bait or <laughs> No, we're gonna I, de- I, debate. I, I was gonna ask if we could. Uh, talk quickly about jedi fallen order now that i'm like fully entrothed in it all right now the haters are gonna hate let's let's hear it okay so i have it's become like mundane fetch questy and i know i'm only like halfway to three quarters of the way through the game Mm -hmm. but it's the same shit over and over and over again and i understand most video games are just developed on a pattern and you follow that pattern to get through the game I get that. I understand that. That's the formula that works. Why change that? But to have a mechanic in your game where the only way you can save is if you go to a Jedi, like the resting pads. And if you rest, every single thing that you've killed in the world has come back. Making your walk all the way back through the long Mm. map because there's no fast travel even harder. Like I've talked to a few people about this game recently and a lot of people complain about the same thing. It's like there, there's no fast travel mechanic. The, some of the worlds or maps are incredibly hard to get through. If mm-hmm. you've like come back to the level to do something right. And you're like, okay, well now I have to go like find this thing, but I have to get all the way across the map. And if I mess anything up, I end up down the wrong like area. The environments also are kind of becoming stale. I really like the Wookiee planet. That was cool. Climbing all those trees and shit. You mean Kashik? Yeah. Or Kashik? Kashik? Yeah. 
So I'm here's a- the thing, though. It's that was that whole mechanic that uh, what you were kind of describing, what you hate. <laughs> is, yeah, a lot of people hate it. it uh, yeah, like I looked it up. It's frustrating um, because it's it makes you have to kind of get good. <laughs> really to continue on because uh so you can be in an area where there's some very difficult enemies and you really have to get your attacks and your parries and your defense and your dodges all down like all the timings right otherwise you're going to take a lot of damage and then you're going to be kind of stuck moving forward um or you you can kill a lot of people and then go heal yourself but they've made the conscious decision to make those like kind of heal points also respawn. So you could go through a, an entire world and be great at the game and not take any damage and kill everyone. And then you can explore freely and they wouldn't respawn. Right. Uh, enemies only respawn when you heal. So that it, it turns the, the decision into healing is okay do i push forward with you know half health and try and get to at least to the next save spot or do i go heal myself now because i probably won't survive right and then yeah eventually you learn kind of how to de- how to defeat the enemies because they all kind of have their own like attack patterns um there there have been some points in the game where it is unbelievably frustrating um i think you went to a different world second after yeah, than, uh, than i did i think you went to mustafar no i went to the you're talking about at the beginning of the game where i chose not to follow the story i went to dothmir because he was like you can go oh, to yeah, dothmir right. and find a cool weapon i was just like all right hell yeah let's go yeah. then i realized i couldn't get further like I now know how to do the like the Jedi double jump, so I'm back on Dothmir. Yeah, because you unlock other abilities like as you're th- going through the story. Um, but like, so there's one planet I, I forget which one it is. It's is like, it Zepho? Because that's like the funnest planet. I, I don't think it is Zepho, but I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, it's like there's these like big slug things, and and some a bunch of other enemies. And it's right after a safe spot, but they are so unbelievably annoying because they have an attack pattern, but they're attacking you at different parts in their attack pattern at the same time. So it's very difficult to dodge or defend against one because another one's going to hit you. Um, so there's been a few times where I, I actually stopped playing the game because that part was so frustrating that I couldn't progress. Um, or they'd take so much of my health that I would have to go and save or at least go and heal and then they'd respond. So I totally get it. I think if they were to come out with a uh, a Jedi Fallen Order 2, uh, I, th- I think they need to work on that mechanic or change that um, because it kind of punishes people for not being pros at the game in a sense. Yeah. And like you have, or it it really tries to force you down the skill tree where you have BD one carry more stims. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, a tiny gripe. 
I feel like it's somewhere in between Tomb Raider and um, Uncharted. Like for the puzzles, the puzzles are fairly simple. Now that I have like force pull and force push, you just have to sometimes look at it from a different angle. Like I haven't been overly frustrated, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know. It'd be super helpful if you could like pick up a blaster. The one thing I will say oh. though, to close the loop on this, because we have a ton of topics to hit today in a short amount of time to do it, is I really hope they make a movie with this character. Or at least bring the character into like at the TV shows. The, the actor's phenomenal. I can't remember his name at the moment, but he plays uh, Jerome in Gotham. Or like the guy that they thought was the Joker. I'm just going to get his I, name right I now. Could see them, I could see them bringing him into the Bad Batch at some point. See, I think they could use him because, as a character. Yes, but I, I, I could see them bringing him into the Bad Batch because both games kind of take place around the same time, or like both series take place around the same time. Like, because if you remember the beginning of uh, Fallen Order, it's it's only a few years or shortly after. Uh, Order sixty six, and the Empire is uh, decommissioning all the the uh, clone uh, clone wars um, ships and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I feel it, like they. I feel like there could be at least some c- kind of cameo in there. I, I would That's definitely agree. I, I think he would. I honestly think he's a pretty good actor, so I think it would look mm-hmm. pretty good with standing. Mm-hmm. So. Holy, what do you want to get to first? We have much, much, much to go over. But uh, I think I want to start with Sony because Microsoft and Apple kind of jump all over the place once again with their whole Epic versus Apple saga. Yeah, which has calmed down a little bit this week. <laughs> a lot we of lawsuits recap. going around. Uh, do you want to start going over Sony? I, I honestly found some of it fascinating, but I'll, I'll let you give the gist of it. Well, in a, in a nutshell... Uh, Sony has had a a lawsuit filed against them. They're they're now in the uh, lawsuit corner in the circle of lawsuits uh, for apparently, uh, I guess, price fixing or having a monopoly on prices for games on the PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, so this also kind of comes in light of the Epic games versus Apple trial, right? Um, so there is a, a lawsuit filed in Northern California that alleges that Sony's monopoly control over the PlayStation store leads to supra competitive prices for digital PlayStation games, which are priced significantly higher than they would be in a competitive retail market for digital games. So for anyone, if you, if you think back to the last time you looked at, say, like a Best Buy Flyer or EB Games or GameStop, a lot of the times you can see alongside a physical copy of a game, you could buy it digitally for Xbox or um, Nintendo Switch, right? Like a lot of retail stores can sell digital codes for games on the Xbox or the Microsoft Store or the eShop. Where Sony, this was a while ago, actually, um, I don't know if you ever could buy 
digital download codes for Sony games. Yo, but, I was thinking about that all day. And I could not for the life of me think of a digital code. The only one I thought of was The Last of Us, and that came with a console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that was still uh, purchased through through Sony. So uh, being unable to purchase digital download codes for PlayStation games um, essentially means that Sony is, I, I guess price fixing wouldn't be the correct uh, term, but they have a monopoly on the, the price of their game. So um, for example, you can buy roughly, and now these are American prices, right? But uh, you could buy Xenoblade Chronicles or new Super Mario Bros. U deluxe for about 40 bucks on Amazon like $40 US um, or through pricing uh, through the eShop is about $60 US, right? So you can generally find digital codes cheaper for Nintendo games. Same thing with uh, Xbox games. But because you are unable to buy digital download codes for the PlayStation Store, there's really no competition competition there. So there's a, a little... Um, what is this uh, breakdown of some prices for PlayStation games? So I found this take, incredibly uh, fascinating. The one this was, thing this was actually really interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, when we were doing this, I wanted to talk specifically about cross-platform games and compare them to like Ghost of Tsushima, because if you look at the PlayStation Store and Best Buy, they're aligned to fifty nine ninety nine and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at this chart, it does also say that these are digital and disc based. So digital would be the PS store. Everything else would be disc based. Uh, yeah. yeah, technically because some of these games you can still buy. So I've noticed though, that uh, at least in Canada, sometimes when EB games or yeah, EB games has um, a game on sale for say forty nine ninety nine because the regular price here is seventy nine ninety nine. So if they're selling a game for for fifty bucks, they'll also allow you to get the digital copy for the same price, right? Like they just advertise it as like the physical one, and then they'll have like in small fine print saying that digital copies or digital versions available as well. Yeah. Um. So like for example, Ghost of Tsushima on the PlayStation Store. Regular price fifty nine ninety nine, and it because that's also a, like a first party or a second party game. Um, it's not necessarily going to have a significant price drop, like a permanent price drop. Uh, and it's also one of their. It was a, a amazing seller, right? So, uh, PlayStation Store sixty bucks, Walmart fifty six fifty, GameStop thirty seven ninety nine, Best Buy, Amazon fifty nine ninety nine. Um, the average non PlayStation store price was $53 and 62 cents. So that's like, thanks to Walmart and GameStop kind of selling it below. And the price uh, difference on the PlayStation store is an average of 12% higher. Now, if we look at a game like um, watchdog legions, this game did not do very well. It was a uh, very disappointing to begin with. So, uh PlayStation Store, $59.99. Walmart, you can get it for $36.50. GameStop, $49.99. Best Buy, $60. Amazon, $30. So the average uh non-PlayStation PlayStation Store price, $44. Bucks. 
so that's a 36% uh, price, like average over. Yeah, it's crazy. On Play Store. Now, if you look at some other games, so here's here's the biggest one, though. Well, like Resident Evil 3, the average price on the PlayStation Store was 87% higher. Uh, games like here's here's two big ones Madden NFL 21 and NHL 21 so sports games generally dude you're missing the even pr- bigger one <laughs> NBA 2K oh, yeah, NBA 2K 21 sports games generally drop in price very quickly right initial launches like within the first few months they're going to be on um like the regular full price right but then the game price drops significantly fairly quickly because they want to keep people buying that that game or people will wait and buy it once they you know have more roster updates and and all that stuff right whatever it mm-hmm. may be so the average price on the PlayStation store for Madden NFL 21 was 147% more than what you could buy the same game at Walmart, GameStop, Best Buy, or Amazon. And keep in mind, uh, all three of these titles are now free on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. And 2K21 <laughs> is free fairly quickly on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, it was. Uh, NHL 21, 131% price, like over what you can buy it through other retail stores. And the biggest one, NBA 2K21, 171% more on the PlayStation store, which is kind of ridiculous. So like the average price difference on the PlayStation store is a 74% in um, 74% higher than what you can get in retail. And that was uh, from these, these what six, seven, nine games, Madden 20, uh, Madden 21, Ghost of Tsushima, NBA 2K21, Watchdog Legions, Marvel's Avengers, MLB The Show 20, Resident Evil 3, and NHL 21. So, like, some older games, right? But still, it, the, the, the fact remains that Sony has not adjusted their prices competitively because that's the only place that you can buy digital games. Um, in this article that uh, kind of summarizes some of this stuff, there's uh, one comment that was part of the lawsuit that uh, really kind of stood out and people have been saying this for a long time and it's, it's good that this is finally getting some light. Um, The comments are that there is no legitimate reason digital games should be more expensive than their physical counterparts. In fact, given the cost save on packaging and distribution prices for digital games in a truly competitive market would likely be lower than they are for games on disc. And this is what we've been saying for forever, it seems. No, David is absolutely 100% unequivocally correct. And when you look at some of the comments on these these uh, these postings in these forums, you see what we've all been arguing, the community has been arguing, and just the argument in general has been there should be a definite price change between physical and digital copies. Now, some examples are a little bit clearer than others. And again, David would always refer to this as the Nintendo tax. But mm-hmm. D- Nintendo digital games are incredibly, like, they're they're stagnant. They are going to be dollar for dollar the exact same thing. And if Nintendo puts on a sale for one of their, uh, their house party games, or, sorry, any of their games, like uh, first party titles, 
whatsoever. It's going to be the exact price to the penny at most retailers, including like I wouldn't even call them third party retailers. I'd say like fourth or fifth. Like we're not talking brick and mortars. We're talking like the micro plays of the world or like the, the, the mom and pop shops that aren't GameStop that aren't this, like the source circuit city in Canada and the United States. Part of of that though is because the companies that distribute the games to these companies, like they, they offer a certain rebate on sale. So when a game goes on sale, unless the store itself is like trying to clear it out and they are lowering the price themselves and they're either taking a loss on it because, you know, it it's better for them to make some money than no money, right? Like they're not making any money if the game's sitting on their shelf. And if someone hasn't bought it in a year, you know, it's better for them to sell it for $10 and lose $10 on it, right? Then be out the $20 that they paid for the, the inventory. So when games go on sale, the distributor or the, um, I guess, Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft would give the retailer a rebate because they already have the inventory. They've already paid the cost of the merchandise. So whatever it may be, say $75, right? So if they're selling a game for $20 less, well, the distributor is giving a rebate to the retailer for that at the money that they are losing from the sale price, right? Yeah. So when Nintendo games go on sale, Nintendo, because Nintendo is one of the uh, few distributors, like now it might've changed in uh, the last few years, but Nintendo determines all the sale prices for their games. Um, all the official sale prices, at least a lot of times they will distribute directly to uh, retail outlets. So when I used to work at uh, shoppers drug mart, we would get Nintendo stuff, but we would get it directly from Nintendo. So when we get Nintendo switches and games, it would be coming directly from Nintendo. Whereas other games and Xbox and PlayStation consoles, it'd be coming from a third party distributor, right? So Nintendo determines when the sales are going to be and what the sale prices are. Yeah. And when a game, when a first party Nintendo game goes on sale, people buy it because it's the only time that it'll go on sale. And at most you're going to see it for like 30% off. Right. So when a game's like 54 bucks, you know, that's a great price for a first party Nintendo game. Right. And that's why a lot of people wait to buy, you know, like Pokemon, new Pokemon snaps, a prime example. It's a $80 game. It will always be $80. And then once or twice a year, Nintendo will be nice and drop the price down to like $56, $59. I would would be legitimately shocked if Pokemon Snap dropped in price anytime soon. Oh, it won't. We're talking Christmas Day. It'll still be the same price. The earliest time that it would drop in price would be around Christmas this year. Because by then it will have been out for about six months. And if they're trying to push uh, consoles then uh, that that's going to definitely be a game that they can try and push it on. Now, now let's, let's walk back your statement twice. Earliest I'm going to say is after Christmas, because they've already sold their consoles. And two, they don't need anything to sell their consoles. People still want the console for Animal Crossing. You don't need Pokemon Snap to sell the console. You're going to need what's coming out this summer to sell the console. Pokemon Snap is going to be that nostalgic complimentary piece. 
but I believe everything else you said. I woke up this morning and I clearly chose violence. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the thing, though, is, is even if they have sold the the systems for Christmas, like they need to entice people to buy the system, especially if they're going to be competing against the likes of Microsoft and Sony, right? People are going to need a reason to buy the Nintendo Switch if they already haven't, right? Like there's a huge number of great first party games out there, but if people haven't bought it by now, then they're definitely going to be convinced. And the best way to do that is to discount software. So games coming out beyond today. Today is what? The 16th, 15th. So Metopia is coming out. Uh, DC Superhero Girls Team Power, Mario Golf, Super Rush, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Pokemon Shining Pearl, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Splatoon 3, Bayonetta 3, Metroid uh, Prime 4, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel. Temporary date. That's a ton of stuff. And there's still rumors about another Mario Kart dropping before Christmas. Potentially a Mario Party add-on. There's like... Some of those titles I brought up there, like the Pokemon Brilliant Pearl and Shining or uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, they're not console movers. Mm-hmm. They're complementary pieces. Pokemon Legends, on the other hand, okay, that might move some consoles. Metroid Prime Four, maybe not. The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild sequel, yes. It's Nintendo is going to always have that ability to just print their own money and manipulate the market the way they want to. Don't get me wrong. I think Nintendo was the only company out of the three major console sellers to really take advantage of the pandemic because they had a ton of stock and everybody wanted it because they were lucky enough to have (laughs) the one game that everybody needed to play about staying at home and socializing and building your own fantasy world. They got really lucky at the Mm -hmm. time. The only people who got luckier than Nintendo is the people who make graphics cards over at Radeon because people were building PCs left, right, and center, not just for mining um, cryptocurrency. People were building PCs just to like do something different and play games on PC. I, 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 I don't want to say you're wrong, but I also don't believe that... <sighs> It's hard to say that Pokemon is now a console seller. I think it's a complimentary piece. When you come out with a new Pokemon game, like Arceus, maybe. But I just... I don't know. Sword and Shield really wasn't overly impressive in my eyes. I think it it did kind of flop in comparison, but it also didn't at the same time. You know, it sold... It's It was a bestseller. It still sells very well. Um... But I think like a lot of games that have or a lot of Pokemon games, like first gen ones, they like not first gen Pokemon games, but I mean, the first of a new generation of Pokemon games. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. They they will come out with another one that's going to kind of update it. So, you know, there is gold and silver, which had a lot of new things It added the real time clock and a bunch of new Pokemon. But then Crystal came out and it kind of fixed a bunch of things. Um then there was like they they have um, sun and moon, 
Which right? were awful. Then they had ultra, ultra Sun, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. You know, like they had had those games that kind of added on to or fix a lot of stuff. So, but this is about Sony. Uh, even though like there is the Nintendo tax and everyone kind of expects that from Nintendo and it's not saying that Nintendo should get away with it. Um, but they, they have been and they are unfortunately. Um, but it's interesting that someone is finally calling out Microsoft or not Microsoft Sony for essentially not allowing there to be any competition on digital pricing of games. Right. Um, so ultimately, what does this mean? Well, there may be a suit that you could <laughs> you could join in and bucks. get like a, a free dynamic theme for the PlayStation Four. Um, to be honest with you, if if it's a big big loss, they might it might give like a digital copy of something of their choice. Who knows? Because they're already paid for. The crazy part about it is this lawsuit in particular has told me two very important things. Number one, I'm blind as fuck and I have not realized ever that you can't buy a digital code for a game for Sony. But I being a Microsoft and Nintendo owner, I've never noticed that. Because I've like if I'm buying digital currency or digital games, it's always for those consoles because that's what I play more. Mm -hmm. Number two which is a 2A and 2B, this lawsuit might be one of the reasons Epic didn't drag Sony through the mud or boost them up. The other two is because Sony and Epic are kind of in cahoots. And that came to light this week uh, with a lot of other information. Are you mm-hmm. ready to go on a wild roller coaster ride of the, the, I guess, the timeline of events that happened last week and leading into a bit of this week between Epic and and apple so yeah this is a big this is a big huge. clusterfuck of stuff like it's it's kind of funny so i was thinking about this today at work while i was you know doing other work stuff um this whole apple versus epic thing the fact that they're bringing out all of these things about microsoft and how microsoft thought that other games would come out and blah 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 all this stuff it's literally like children squabbling and you know how 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 did i put this okay it's like you are trying to convince your mother that you want something right and your mom's like no you can't have it but then you say yeah well billy down the street has this or billy down the street wanted that too you know and it's just kind of like pointing fingers at another co- like person another party another company just to try and prove a point. But what is the point that they're trying to prove? Because it's just bringing out all these other information that what, like when we read these stories, we're like, what does this have to do with the fact that Apple isn't allowing Epic to have a a game store or sell microtransactions on their, uh, on the Apple store. It to me seemed like when the, the news first started coming out, it seemed like it was really funny. It's like, why are they doing this? Why are they bringing this out? And now it just seems like Phil Spencer pissed off Epic and Epic's trying to drag this in. So it's more of a smoke screen and Apple's upset with now Microsoft because some of the decisions they've made over the past. 
it's a massive shit show, which is, believe it or not, incredibly great for the gamer. Because it's it's eventually going to drive down prices. Sorry, it might not drive down prices. But what it's going to do is it's going to create a more fair consistency within the the gaming community. Now, if you guys remember a little bit, we talked a little bit last week about how Microsoft doesn't make any money on their consoles, and they were toying with the idea of reducing the, its cut on um, launcher-based games at 12%, opposed to the, or what was it, the 70-30 model? They were going to go to an 88-12. Yeah. And that was just <laughs> apparently the tip of the iceberg. David and I laughed really hard. We were, uh, it was what, maybe two hours after we recorded, we saw the next part of the news kind of come out and it was yeah. just more downhill from there. Yeah. It, it just, it just keeps, it's just uh, uh, throwing gasoline on a, a dumpster fire filled with shit. Yeah. I mean, the first, the, the first piece that kind of dropped after was Microsoft got shadow which is a cloud computing service, kicked off Apple's App Store over the xCloud arguments. Now, this might seem like nothing or it might seem like a ton. This, to me, seems exactly the reason why the xCloud is still in beta on Apple and I can't play Xbox on my iPad. Because Microsoft wanted it their way, Apple wanted it their way, and Android's open source, so you can already play your Xbox on the iPad. The the thing that, like, okay, I can kind of gloss over this one because, sure, why would Epic bring this up? Why would Epic specifically bring this one up? Are they mad that you can't play Fortnite on your Xbox on an iPad because Epic said no? Or are they just trying to bring in more information to, to the party? Because it's not like Microsoft is telling Shadow at the time or Microsoft is told... Apple that any purchase made in the X cloud doesn't give them any money because the X cloud is just using Apple as a service. The split is still going to be whatever they've agreed upon behind the scenes. Correct. Uh, yeah, it, it would still be the, whatever is in their contract agreement, which is not like Sony, which apparently might've caused more of this than we thought. With this tidbit of information we received saying Epic pays Sony for crossplay, but not Microsoft. Odd. Why would you bring Microsoft into a shit slinging contest with Apple and then conveniently make it unknown until somebody kind of blew the whistle on you that you pay Sony for the ability to crossplay, but you don't pay Microsoft? Microsoft was willing to give you a cut. So you could make more money in your launcher on their games. But this was conveniently left out when we learned all this information last week. Mm -hmm. So what I mean from that, and I'm just going to take the paragraph right from the, the article is as seen in old meme or emails, old memes. Could you imagine (laughs) (laughs) As seen in old emails shared between Sony and Epic games, the Japanese tech company known very, uh, knew very well that it had the upper hand in all negotiations with Epic about Fortnite crossplay, thanks to the PS4 absolutely dominating the Xbox One. I'm assuming that means in sales. Mm -hmm. So it made a deal with Epic. Fortnite players on PlayStation 4 could play with Xbox One players and vice versa, but only if Epic compensated Sony. 
interesting, huh? You're going to drag Microsoft through the mud who offered you a higher percentage to just do your own thing, right? You get to keep 88% of whatever you sell. You do your own thing. We don't care. Microsoft was getting was going to get nice to Epic. And then we find out that they're paying Sony for the privilege. We're not even going to call it the right. We're going to call it the privilege to have crossplay on Fortnite. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. That that was the part to me where I was just like, Epic, Epic can literally go suck something. Like, uh, I, I've definitely thought for sure I was going to take Apple's side of the argument just because I thought what they were fighting for was right. And for those who don't know, this all happened because Apple was wanting to stick to that 70-30 model that seems to be universally agreed upon by all, all of these digital companies. And Fort or Epic thought the way around this would be to have their own store inside the Fortnite launcher that would circumvent the Apple store so they would get 100% profit of whichever games they were or items they were selling inside the store. But, but I'm I'm confused. Why are you taking Apple side when it on on the fact that Epic had to pay Sony to allow crossplay? Oh, just because I I'm starting to like as the picture gets worse, I'm starting to just not like Epic. Don't get me well, wrong. I love the, the fact though. that Epic gives me free games every week. Well, so the thing is though, because because Microsoft or sorry, Sony wasn't going to allow cross-platform play. So the only way for Epic to get cross-platform play on the PS4 is for them to pay Sony. That's kind of like a shitty thing. Right? Like that that's that's actually it's it as gamers, we have always, for the longest time, wished we could play our games online with people on other systems, right? Yeah. Microsoft is a bid is a big advocate of that and is pushing that. Even Nintendo's getting behind that, but Sony has been very against it since you know forever, really. So the fact that the fact that Epic had to pay Sony just to allow them to have cross-platform play on the PlayStation is is nothing against Epic. It's more of uh, a knock on Sony because Sony is just being little bitches about it. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right on that. And I, I apologize for the side I took in that battle. I still believe that if I were to pick sides in the Epic versus Apple debate on whether or not Apple or um, Epic clearly circumvented their agreement because they're dicks, <laughs> then yeah, they absolutely did. They tried to pull a fast one on one of the biggest tech giants in the world and got caught. Fair and enough. instead of just being like, okay, you know what? We screwed up. Can we try and renegotiate? They were like, we didn't do nothing. <laughs> it wasn't us. It wasn't me. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like the, do you remember how excited you were when crossplay was first introduced and they were testing it in Fortnite before, Allowing it in Battlefield and Call of Duty, how cool like it that was! was? A big, it was a big deal, right? Because, like I said, it's something that we've wanted for such a long time, and there's really no reason why we shouldn't be allowed to play with the same game with our friends on a different platform. And I think it's it's taken a very long time for developers to realize that you know they can make more money 
on their games or actually have a longer lifespan for their games if they allow cross-platform play. And so, yeah, it, it was a big deal when it when it came out, when it happened. And it's always very positive news when a new game comes out and they have cross-platform play. You get excited. Right? Even if I'm not going to play the game, it's still something that's very exciting. I, I don't know about you, but do you know how many times I like... I have two groups of play, uh, people that I play Warzone with. One of them is four, uh, three PlayStations and two Xboxes. The other one is three Xboxes and one PC. <laughs> it's like the crossplay with the PC. Okay, that one always made sense. But the crossplay mm-hmm. with the PlayStation. Yeah, you have to use game chat and it changes the game a little bit. But it's still really fun and exciting. And you feel included. And I know people clown on Microsoft for it all the time with all their tweets about like, mm-hmm. let's play together. It doesn't matter what console you're playing on. As long as you're having fun and playing the game. And PlayStation's like, <laughs> we're PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not why we're here. We're we're definitely not discussing that right now. Uh, we're just getting a little excitable. Oh, the next part <laughs> in the list was Microsoft. I, I love the way this was paraphrased, by the way. The, the whole recap of the week. It was like, Microsoft wishes it had games like The Last of Us Part 2. I never read that once <laughs> in that the actual article from yeah, microsoft no. and, and microsoft and insiders is, don't make shit up like that's like the microsoft insiders website is a direct news source from microsoft yeah that review was more of an, an internal analysis of uh one of sony's biggest and most anticipated games in the last few years and it was just praising them saying that like they've made a quality product and and <laughs> they still had mentioned how their gun gunplay sucks. Yeah. Um but it it nor did they say that they wished that they could make a game like that. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh man, I wish we owned Naughty Dog. If they wished that, they would have bought Days Gone too. <laughs> and nobody bought that game because it the first one this, this that's true. Yeah, this is true. Um Epic Games then called Microsoft well poisoners. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, it's someone who poisons the well. How? I'm not sure. Um, what is it? Uh, in the same email chain where Lego Universe's derailment at the hands of phallic imagery was brought up. What the hell? <laughs> and Epic's online gameplay systems led David Nickdell said the AI singularity will probably be some form of ML dick detector what does this have to do with it there was also a bit of microsoft miss or mudslinging. Uh, mudslinging in reference to microsoft assignment augmented reality marketing efforts epic games vp mark ryan said yes horrible yeah horribly overselling ar in a way that poisons the well for the industry they did the sh- same shit with hololens oh so they're just saying that like microsoft was advertising stuff too much that they didn't really like this stuff that wasn't really implemented properly. Where where's where's the call out at Nintendo being like, uh, Nintendo, your multiplayer and online system is the worst on the planet by like leaps and bounds. <laughs> so the funny thing is though, 
I think Nintendo's not getting shit on for their online multiplayer system or their online subscription stuff because people know that it's bad. You're paying three dollars a month for it. That's <laughs> so true. Right? Like I only pay for it because I'm well, we're in a family plan, right? So we pay seven dollars for the year between <laughs> us and like eight people, right? Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> but you know, if I was paying if if I had a family plan with like only like three people, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna pay for that. It's not worth it. So when is it gonna come out that Epic is secretly owned by Sony and that's why Sony's not being dragged through absolutely every part of this as well? Because Can you imagine Sony does not do a lot of things perfect. Hell, in fact, the only thing that they've done in the last 15 years that's better is they made a superior piece of hardware. Like the PS4 blew the hell out of the Xbox One. Like it wasn't uh, even close. Yes and no. Like it. That's a whole other debate. I'm just saying a generalization is at the like from launch they had a lead in 2013. Yes, Xbox picked it up in 20 like 17. 100. I think the better made hardware though came after the Xbox uh, Xbox One X came out in comparison to the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, and even now, like the, the Series X uh, versus the PS5, the Series X does have slightly better specifications. Well, the Series is, is what is it? The Series X can play. Is it? It's not native 4K, but it can play. I always forget. And you always correct me. The Series X can play 4K games or it can display 4K, whereas the PS4 can't. Yeah, it can. They, they both can display 4K games. I can't remember what the comparison was, but whatever. It's a long, long down the poisoned well that Microsoft somehow tainted with their taint. It keeps going, though, because Epic Games then foreshadowed its Apple lawsuit and asked Phil Spencer to nick the Xbox Gold paywall for Fortnite. First off, Philly ain't no dummy. If Xbox Live was to ever just allow free-to-play games, they would lose everything they have. Xbox Live, you've had to pay for since I remember, like, as far as I remembered, and since as, lo- as long as I've owned a console that I've paid for on my own, I was paying for Xbox Live on my 360. And I was always getting better online services than when PlayStation had its free online service. Like, oh, I get to play free games, but it always crashes and servers always like up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a series of emails between Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney and head of Xbox Phil Spencer, the man, uh, the former hinted that Epic Games would be doing something crazy in August, aka a giant lawsuit against a company responsible for iPhones, and it had behooved Xbox to make Fortnite truly free around that time to look good in the public eye. Phil got back to them saying, I'm busy right now, Tim. Have you seen the actual email? No. It's so good. Here, I will. Uh, I, I have it. Oh, um, here it is. It's it's honestly, it's so funny. The email starts off by saying, <clears throat> I owe you a bunch of things and I'm behind. I apologize for that. Just a lot going on, but that's not an excuse. You've obviously seen our Samsung announcement. And now are back and forth with Apple. At the highest levels of Microsoft, we are committed to pushing these policies and continuing to expand our console platform capabilities. You can chime in as you feel comfortable. 
but I did want to let you know that I have your point on xCloud and other consoles, in parentheses, haven't given up. Free-to-play games outside of Xbox Gold will get there, and I want to partner with you, also in parentheses. And our store entitlement ideas as items. I'm going to review them to make progress. I'm committed to that just behind. Hope you're well, Phil. That is literally Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer breaking up with somebody in the nicest way possible. Like he didn't even take them out for ice cream. But when you read that and like you see all the parentheses inside the email, which I'm so glad was leaked. <laughs> it, it's literally just like he's slowly rolling up his middle finger being like, I don't want to be a part of this. And now he's sitting in a courtroom because of it, because Epic was like, yeah, let's pull a fast one on Apple. Microsoft and Apple are not competitors at all. You know where they compete? In the home PC market. Not not even. Why? Not even. Well, Microsoft is a software developer. Microsoft is a software company. Except for the, the Xbox division. That's their hardware develop company. And they have like some smaller umbrella stuff where, you know, like... Um, but for the most part, they are a software company. They make Windows. They make different Windows platforms. They do their like their mixed reality stuff. That is still like the headsets that you can buy. The VR headsets are made by other manufacturers. Asus, Samsung, Acer, HP, Lenovo, all of those, right? Whereas Apple is a hardware and software company, you know, which uses Apple. Samsung for all their screens. What? <laughs> well, you know, Apple, you you can't go out and buy a Macintosh computer not made by Apple. Sure, some of the components, like obviously the components are going to be made from other companies, right? Because they're going to they're going to buy like their hard drives are going to be from Western Digital or Seagate because those companies make the hard drives. But the actual development of the computers themselves the hardware is done by Apple. Apple is the only company that you can buy Macintosh computers from, the only company that you can buy iPhones from. You, you can't buy a third-party official iPhone or a, a phone that can run iOS, right? Because th that is the main difference between Microsoft and Apple. And I think that is big part of what differentiates or, or like a what causes a problem with this epic games versus apple thing because apple has always been a very closed ecosystem right and they're bringing into play all of these conversations and dialogue and things that happen with sony and microsoft Whereas they are very different companies. Sony itself, I would say, is more of a hardware company, right? If you look at all of the devices that they make, they, they'll they make software for their specific devices, right? TVs, the PlayStations, and, and firmwares for, you know, whatever devices they make. But they don't actually make, like, an operating system like Sony or, like, Microsoft or Apple, Right? So it's kind of like a, a weird, it's like being invited to the awkward kid's birthday party <laughs> where I mean, like no one really knows anyone. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just here for the cake, 
right? But now we have to sit and watch this awkward kid open presents and drool on himself. Sony is the rich kid at the table that owns a Spider-Man action figure and won't share with other people. (laughs) That's all Sony is now. They sell cameras, they sell TVs. And I believe their cameras and their TVs are sold at a profit. But from everything that you read online right now, Sony's still hemorrhaging money. That's why they're renting out Spider-Man. You're, they're leasing the, the idea of Spider-Man just to stay afloat. Well, because not, the, the mouse can keep them alive. Well, they're not leasing it. They're, you I read think, that agreement, man. That's a, that's, a, that's a lease. Yeah, but it's not because they know that they can't make any money. They probably just know that they can make more money by letting Marvel do stuff with it. <laughs> that's really, literally that's, what I just said. <laughs> yeah, but it's not because they're losing money. You know what I mean? Like, well, let me ask you it this way then. Are they making money if they're not making movies? No, they're letting Disney do all the work and they're taking a chunk of the change. Yeah, and that is, is a smart business right there. But Sony's always been like they've always been in the business uh like they have a good film studio. Like the Venom and Car- um uh, Let There Be Carnage trailer just dropped. That movie looks good. Sony does do a good job with their stuff. Yes, but that movie is also in collaboration with Marvel. But um what's it call it? Um Venom, like all other Sony properties, the reason they can make their movies cheaper than others is they use all their own products for product placement. And it's just oh, like yeah. Sony 100%. movies are one massive advertisement. Do you remember the night before? The the Christmas movie yeah. with uh Seth Rogen, yep. Anthony Mackie? He literally says Yo, you want me to put this on the internet with my Sony Xperia? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> okay, calm, calm down, calm down. No, uh, it, it's a huge lawsuit. It's it's really big. It's... And I don't think we even clarified what's going on. That's because we don't fully know. All we know <laughs> is that the gist of it is this all started because Epic tried to pull a fast one on Apple and Apple said... Nah, uh, uh. And then they were like, well, you can't do that. That's illegal. And they started a lawsuit and companies like Microsoft didn't have Epic's back because Microsoft has their own shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the comparison of maybe them being competitors in the software market. Sure. But Microsoft and Apple need to coexist. You need both to have a, like a healthy ecosystem in the world. You need both of these companies. Hell, you even need Sony to create balance. It's just like telecom in every country, right? You need like three or four competitors. All these software uh, companies, they're doing their own thing. Sony just likes to make their own hardware. And in most cases, it's fairly shitty. Look at their laptops. I'm sorry. And their phones. (laughs) Let's go on another topic before Sony gets me like killed. Yeah, before you get in trouble. Um. Okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to do Nintendo's Game of the Year candidate? Oh, shit. Yeah, there, there was a big... Oh, my God. This was quite possibly the biggest announcement ever It was on, mo- on a Nintendo console. Oh, it was on any console. Yeah. Um, I As will a- say the funniest thing about it is it's definitely the Windows interface for this game. Like, a thousand percent. Like, I've seen this image a thousand times no this is totally taken from that the early apple 
Oh design. yeah, the Apple one yeah. where if you turned right. your your phone, yeah. it would get bigger. Yeah. So you can buy available now on the Nintendo Switch calculator for ten dollars. <laughs> ten dollars US, thirteen dollars twenty nine cents Canadian. You can buy a calculator on your Nintendo Switch. It has all of the features you would expect from any scientific calculator. A memory button, a memory recall button. You can figure out the cosine and tan and sine and pi. It even has a bunch of other things that I've never seen before. Do you know what really sold it for me? The fact that you could use it on the TV, tabletop mode, or handheld mode. I know. Who's going to so, like sit in an exam and bust out their $10 calculator on their Switch? Well, the kids who don't have the TI-83+. Plus. <laughs> what would you know, it's, it's oh, I have? It's funny. Packard you know, one. Yeah, you know what's funny, though, is like back in when we were in high school and stuff like that, and they we had to sideload and hack our TI-83 calculators to play games on it. And now you have to... You can download calculators to use on your game system. It's so, so it's this is such a, a ridiculous thing to release on the Nintendo Switch, uh, but this also leads to like a bigger issue of there's so much so much garbage shovelware on the eShop um, because you know anything like you could make a game of just press A to fart and put it on the <laughs> the eShop. Right, like th- there's a ton of garbage on there because it is so easy to just release games on there. Now, getting an actual Switch dev kit is difficult, but once you have that, the possibilities of garbage are endless. Um, I know that there was like a bunch of complaints back during the Wii U, the Wii, and 3DS eras, where it's very difficult to get games and stuff like that on the eShop, but. Oh, that just meant that there was more quality games on there, right? So they, they lightened up on their requirements or the restrictions or for the eShop now, but now we're getting this crap, the crap of calculator. But if you look at the company that released this, this is a, this is a big thing. It's a Sabek. Yeah. And a lot of the games or the stuff that they've released um, are just like shovelware. And it's just, it's just garbage. So let me just. I need to know the sales numbers in a week. I know. Because you know somebody's going to buy it. Like they released something called Night Vision. Same price, 10 bucks. Does it just and make your screen green? It uses the uh, IR sensor or IR camera on the joystick to let you like, kind of like see things in the dark. That's Dumb. all it is. It's it's a very low quality camera. Um, they released. Did they release chess? Yeah, they published the chess, and it's just like a basic chess game that you know I could I could program this and and sell it right. Um, and that's you know eight dollars. So the the company itself, the publisher, is just. My guess is that this company is a publisher for other people to to publish through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if we came up with like a shitty game that we wanted to publish on the eShop, we could probably... Now, this is just a guess. I'm sure I could contact this company and be like, hey, 
um, let's make a, a deal. You publish this game for me uh, and you'll, you'll get a, a significant cut of my sales. And they'll be like, okay, cause we're shitty people. <laughs> Can you make me a non-scientific calendar, please? Or calculator? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Biggest game released on the eShop calculator. Interesting. Can I go over something quickly before we uh, finish off with Game of the Year or uh, the Video Game Hall of Fame? Sure. So in all ridiculousness, I just want to point out a few of the key points from uh, the EAA financial report. Gamers, stop giving them this much money. Most of their games are not that good. I, I say that as I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order. FIFA 21 Life to Date has more than 25 million console and PC players. FIFA Ultimate Team players grew 16% year over year, and FUT matches were up 180%. Thanks, pandemic, everybody's playing FIFA card games. Apex Legends has more than 100 million players life to date on PC and console, and Season 8 had more than 12 million weekly average players. Whew! Uh, Record number of players joined Madden NFL on PC and console during the fiscal year of 2021 and here's the one that blows my friggin mind the sims 4 life to date now has 36 million players and has delivered its sixth consecutive year of franchise growth all right simmers we've talked about this if i had a camera right now i'd be looking into a dead into your eyes why do you guys complain and complain and bitch and moan about the content packs that are coming out. I go, I don't want to go to Naboo. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And then you buy it anyways. I'm (laughs) guaranteeing you every single Sim player has spent probably $100 or more this year or last year on the packs. Like, oh, I don't want the stuff pack where I go up to a mountain resort. Oh, (laughs) Siri got mad at me. You guys are doing this to yourself. You guys want change. You want to affect change. Stop giving them money. Please, for the love of God, if you want to change the game and don't want to complain on the internet anymore, stop giving them money. It was Batu, not Nabu. Mm-hmm. It was the whole Galaxy's Edge thing, right? Yeah. Just like, come I think, on. I think people would love to go to Nabu. I, w- I would. <laughs> Elon will send me up there. Yeah, that's true. To the moon. Um, okay, quickly, because I know we're almost out of time, but I don't really want to wait until next week to talk about these four incredible titles. Microsoft Flight Simulator, the original one. StarCraft, also the original one. Animal Crossing for GameCube. And my personal favorite elementary school time waster, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Have all made it into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Isn't that exciting? Oh, and apparently Guitar Hero did. Is that what I'm seeing? Um, oh, there was other finalists. Finalists included um, Midway's Tron, a plain vanilla, so the original Call of Duty for PS1, and the original Guitar Hero were contenders. And Portal. Like these games, I'm surprised that they are just getting into it because it, like StarCraft really changed real time strategy games. 
Microsoft Flight Simulator that changed flight sim games. Uh, Guitar Hero spawned what seemed like an endless string of music games, like really kind of brought it out and made it popular, right? Uh, and Animal Crossing, well, that's Animal Crossing. It's like the greatest game series ever made. Do you think Animal Crossing got in solely because of New Horizons? Uh, I would I would say no. Really? You don't I, think it was influenced? Like, I know how important this game was. It's the equivalent to, like, Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon did so much impactful work early on. But I think if New Horizons failed, which was going to be impossible because that game got delayed twice and people just salivated for it. Mm-hmm. If New Horizons failed, I don't think we would have seen this game on the list, man. New Horizons, I, I there's no way New Horizons made more money than, oh, I guess maybe the the original Guitar Hero because there was no like booster packs you could buy. Like you'd have to wait until you got to the next console, like PS3, Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, Farmville was nominated, and that was microtransactions from the get go. I think part of the requirements, though, for for some of these things are how how have they changed and influenced gaming as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not saying that Animal Crossing: New Horizons is is part of the game Hall of Fame. It's Animal Crossing. Right? Like the first one. Yeah. Um, so that game spawned a, a, a huge and very popular series for, for uh, Nintendo. And I think it, um, I, I, I don't think that, New Horizons success really had anything to do with it because I feel like this game would have eventually got in there at some point, regardless of New Horizons coming out. And the thing is, is New Horizons is probably the weakest in the Animal Crossing series in the sense that the some of the other games had more customization and just the villagers had more personality. Mm-hmm. and it was just more immersive that way. Now it has obviously new horizons has a better ability to update and add more features and all this stuff. But um, I think new horizons also had probably one of the fastest drop offs of player base. It's it's possible. I can actually tell you right now, there isn't that many games in the video game hall of fame. So you're probably actually right. Um, there's literally 30 games. The Video Game Hall of Fame didn't open until like 2015. And some of the games on here are like, I get it. Other ones make a ton of sense. So like quickly, I can blow through the list. It's Animal Crossing, Bejeweled, Centipede, Colossal Cave Adventure, Donkey Kong, Doom, Final Fantasy 7, Grand Theft Auto 3, Halo Combat Evolved. Okay, why isn't it just the original original Halo? Uh, John Madden Football, King's Quest, The Legend of Zelda, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Microsoft Solitaire, Minecraft. Minecraft got in already. Mortal Kombat, The Oregon Trail, Pac-Man, Pokemon Red and Green, so the Japanese versions. 
Pong, The Sims, the original Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, Space War, StarCraft, Street Fighter 2, Super Mario Bros, Super Mario Kart, Tetris, Tomb Raider, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, and WoW, or World of Warcraft. That's not a big list, man. Mm-mm. The only surprising one I see on there is maybe Minecraft. But I don't know. Like I, I feel like that game's still thriving. None of those uh, other games. Yeah. Like, I for Minecraft is like it's it's always out there. I think it's people are always gonna play it, but I don't think it's as popular as it was before Microsoft bought it. That's very true. Like Mahjong did its thing, but Mojang? Is it Mojang? It's not Mahjong, it's Mojang. I don't know. Some of the games that I listed there make a lot of sense. Grand Theft Auto 3. That was your first 3D world experience in the Grand Theft Auto universe. Mm-hmm. Banger. Doom? That was what, 1995-ish? Something like that. Makes sense. Final Fantasy 7, they keep remaking, so obviously it's one of the greatest games of all time. Super Mario? Yeah. Get it. Tetris? Yeah. It's literally anything that originally was on the NES. <laughs> and we'll go from there. But David and I want to know what you would induct into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, what's your, our listeners, number one game? What game would you put in there if you could? And also, we'd like to know what you think of Epic versus Apple. Whose side are you on? And what side would you join if you had the choice? I would always pick the dark side because Man. I just like stormtroopers. We could totally make this into like some sort of show shovelware Nintendo Switch game. Yeah. Sell it for, sell it for ten dollars. <laughs> sell it to Sabic. <laughs> They'll sell it for ten dollars. <laughs> and more importantly, next week, if you join us, we have two episodes. We have our next episode uh, our next episode of our table top games. And we have another exciting episode of the Scene on Screen podcast, and we can't wait for you guys to join us. But for now, for myself and for my friend David, that's me. Thanks for listening. Peace.